Welcome to the Hayes Worldwide Leadership Insight Podcast. In this series, I'll be talking to business leaders from across the world of work who'll be sharing their expertise to help you effectively lead your business both now and in the future. I'm your host, Chloe Redfern from Hayes, the world's largest specialist recruiter. Today, I'm joined by Doug Strahacek, Peter Cloth, and John Perry, authors of Developing Mental Toughness, Improving Performance, Wellbeing, and Positive Behaviors in Others. The book is now in its third edition and explores how mental toughness relates to leadership, performance, and motivation, amongst other things. Welcome, Peter, Doug, and John. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. Before we begin, please can I ask each of you to introduce yourselves and tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and how you got to do the work that you're doing today. Doug, can we start with you? Thank you. Thank you, Chloe. Uh, yes, I'm Doug Strahacek. I'm the CEO for AQR International, and it's a business which is now predominantly about taking this concept of mental toughness that we're going to learn about today and taking it to literally everybody on the planet. It applies to everything that anyone does. So it's a big mission for us. I'm privileged and delighted to be part of the, the core research team that has been taking this concept and applying some thought leadership to, to the idea and has really created this concept that is extremely valuable. So that's me. Amazing. Thank you, Doug. Peter, please introduce yourself. Uh, hello, I'm Professor Peter Clough. I'm a research psychologist. Um, initially developed the model back in 2001-2002 and I'm a third of the core research team Doug was just mentioning. So, so my areas are yes, theoretical work, psychometrics and applied psychology. Amazing. And John? Yeah, so I'd be the, I'd be the final third, I guess. So I come from a, an academic perspective. So I've worked in, in universities. I'm based over in Limerick in Ireland now. And I, I try to bridge the gap best I can between academia, you know, research and some of the applied elements. So my background's actually in sports psychology, which of course mental toughness also has a background in, as does as does Peter. So really what I what I most enjoy doing is is trying to see how we can continue to develop more evidence for how the construct works, how it can uh, affect people, apply that to practitioners, but also, and I think this is something that we, we often miss in academia, is learn from the practitioner community, which is why it's been so good to be in, involved in, in these kind of things, which actually stimulates a lot of really good ideas for new bits of research, because sometimes people come up with great ideas. And I think, okay, I don't think there's evidence for that, but it sounds like a really good idea. So we can we can go and research and, and kind of be that conduit really between evidence and practice. Amazing. Today, we're going to talk about mental toughness and, and I have an idea of what I think it is and I'm sure some of our listeners do too. But Doug, to, to help us kick us off, could you contextualize it for us? What, what is your definition of mental toughness? Okay, so we've developed a definition of mental toughness that contains two or three key words. First of all, we now know it's a personality trait, which means it sits in every single one of us. So it matters to every one of us. And it's a significant factor in our mental responses to stress, pressure, opportunity, challenge. And basically, I'm describing everything that faces us in life. 
And if you look at leadership, those four terms apply to leadership, especially so. So that's a broad definition. The most significant bit of it, though, is it's a personality trait. And people are used to the idea of personality, and most people have completed personality questionnaires, especially in recruitment. But I would say that 99% of the time, they're looking at behavioral aspects of personality and assessing behaviors, which really are how I, how do I act when something happens? What we're looking at here is how do I think when something happens? And how do I think is a big factor in how do I act? So we're, we're looking at something quite fundamentally important. We're looking at for a big part of the explanation of why do I act the way I do? And that's really its significance. But some people respond to the term toughness a little bit negatively. It's one of uh, John and Peter's predecessors, in a sense, who coined the term mental toughness. So we, it is what it is. But the concept isn't about toughness in a macho, aggressive sense of the word. It's about toughness in the resilience and positivity sense, senses of the word. And that's quite important because it's bringing together two concepts or two ideas that put people don't often stick together. The idea that I need to be resilient to deal with what happens in life. But I also, it's going to be a big advantage if I can be positive about what's happening in life. So we're bringing those two ideas together. And in doing so, we actually embrace lots of common ideas that are out there. So I think one of the, the big virtues of the way we have articulated the concept is we've been able to join up a lot of dots for a lot of people. So that's really what mental toughness is. Peter, uh, Doug just described it as, as a personality trait. Does that mean it's some people are optimistic people, some people are pessimistic people. Are some people mentally tough people and you either have this personality trait or you don't? Or is it something that I could develop? I mean, the good news is um, it, you can develop mental toughness. It's a narrow personality trait, but our understanding of personality, you know, when I say our you know, psychology community, is far more plastic than we thought. So the idea that, you know, you're an extrovert because you're an extrovert at seven, you're an extrovert at 17, doesn't really hold water anymore. So even the established big five personality factors change and modify. And yeah, I think people listening in will understand as you get older, your personality changes, as does mental toughness. So some people are born mentally tough and have a mental toughness advantage. Some people are more sensitive, which is the opposite. It's not weakness, it's more sensitive and can develop mental toughness. But a third element we put in is some people don't want to develop mental toughness, which is fine. There's advantages of being mentally tough. There's advantages of being mentally sensitive. So we're not pejorative, but yes, you can change it. You can change it for a short period. Yeah, like exam pressure or a job interview, you can change it fundamentally or you can stay where you are. So there's a whole range. John, how does mental toughness, how does it affect the way we behave or how we behave, particularly for our listeners in, in the workplace and, and in careers? Yeah, so I guess tying in with Doug's earlier suggestion there is traditionally we, we kind of focus on adversity and those kind of difficult situations. So through the, the four C's model, we talk about control, which would be where someone would stay calm or take responsibility, commitment, where they're likely to stay the course or remain focused, challenge, where they're more likely to adapt and see, kind of see a, 
a positive mindset and confidence where they're going to back themselves and communicate effectively. But one of the things we've learned over the over the years is that it's not just that this is a group of people who are less affected by extraneous variables, i.e. the situation, the pressure, what other people are saying. But there is this more proactive sense as well, where mentally tough individuals are more likely to actually enjoy pushing themselves outside of the comfort zone. They're going to look for those challenges. Stress is not necessarily this bad thing that just happens to us. Stress is a fundamental hormone, essentially, that gets us up and gets us active and and keeps us going. So what we found from a more positive slant is it's not just about getting through the tough times, but mental toughness helps people to feel comfortable in situations where others might feel uncomfortable. Being prepared to push yourself outside what you're currently able to do or what you know you're able to do. And that's how you can learn to actually enjoy experiencing bits of uncertainty and some of those sort of manageable stresses and actually gain greater belief in what you're able to do. And I suppose I'm I'm coming again from a sports background there, but the way you get better is by doing something that you didn't realize you could do. So that's kind of how I see mental toughness permeating itself in in the workplace and in behaviours, whereas we traditionally thought it was about when it's really tough, you stick at it. It's actually much more positive and proactive than that. Very recently, we had uh, the London Marathon here in London. I'm having the, the pleasure of recording from London. And you saw so many people exhibiting this, this mental toughness, people, elite athletes, people of all shapes and sizes, people doing their 10th their marathon or their first, but pushing themselves further and harder and it not being easy, but then excelling and getting, you know, huge, huge smiles at at the finish line and and all of those uh, photos that were shared on social media because they had done something very difficult and completed it. And that's not to say that I'm sure that there weren't struggles and challenges along the way, but it was a lovely uh, in-person illustration of people fighting a, a tough battle and succeeding. Doug, you mentioned earlier the, the the title and perhaps a change of attitudes around the word toughness. I must say, when, when I first read the title, I did think of those connotations of toughness about perhaps being a very masculine trait, about not expressing emotion. But that doesn't really fit with your definition at all, does it? No, not at all. And uh, when we're looking at leadership, uh, it's really interesting. I have uh, an advantage, or it might be a disadvantage. I'm, I'm a little bit older than than any any of you. That's <laughs> right, smile on John's face there. I'm probably older than any of the listeners you're going to have. But I, when I first started work, I was sent on a training course, and the training course was about scientific management. A theory you don't hear about it anymore, except perhaps in academic classes talking about the history of leadership. There's a character called F.W. Taylor had this belief that if you told people exactly what you expected from them, then you can demand that from them. We've moved on a long way since then. And in fact, we probably do almost as much research on leadership as we do on mental toughness, because it's one of the biggest, biggest areas of application. And what we've learned is that Within all the mishmash of theory and uh, speculation about what is leadership, in fact, two ideas come shining through. One is it's about 
performance, trying to achieve something out of the ordinary. Otherwise, there's no point in leadership. And the second thing is you're going to do it through engaging with people. And that's about motivating them. So if you look at that, both of those are really challenging activities because they don't come easy. So I'm just going to, for a second, go, go around the mental toughness concept. It's got eight factors. So the factors are broadly, have I got a sense of self-worth? Can I do it? The leader has to have that. It's going to be troublesome. I'm going to find emotional pressures. Can I manage my emotions and maintain poise? A leader has to have that. Now, I'm going to have to, if I'm going to perform and get, and get high performance, I need to know where I'm going. So I need to have a, a goal orientation. That's part of mental toughness. And then if I'm going to go, get there, I know I'm going to have to make some effort and get other people to make an effort. That's about achievement orientation. And then in order to do something out of the ordinary, I've got to do something that hasn't been done before. So I need to, to some extent, be prepared to take risks, not reckless risks, but push the boundaries. That's an aspect of mental toughness. And then not all of these things will work. Now I can give up and they don't work, or I can say, right, we didn't do well there. How can we do it better? That's about learning orientation. That's another aspect of mental toughness. And then finally, we come around to, okay, the world's full of opportunities. I'm the person who's bringing leadership to this group. Have I got the abilities to take us there? And have I got the interpersonal confidence to bring people with me? So I've just described the eight aspects of mental toughness, the eight factors of mental toughness. Every single one of them is crucially important for leadership. There's another dimension in this. When we talk about mental toughness, yes, it's an inherited trait, but it's also something that is capable of being developed. And we learn that from being in an environment. So leaders shape our environment. So here I'm talking about culture. So when I talk about resilience and positivity, I don't know of an organization I've ever dealt with that doesn't want resilience and positivity as aspects of its culture. And that's going to come from the leadership. To have that those elements present in the leadership of an organization, to be able to influence the content of the organization, and by that I mean the, its employees, is extremely significant. But again, there's another element and that is self-awareness. And we've not used that phrase at the moment yet, but it's the big phrase in this. It's one thing to know that there is mental toughness and what mental toughness is. It's another to understand your own. And because mental toughness sits in the head, it can be invisible. So you can get people who are mentally tough who fail at leadership. And they fail because they're not self-aware. So a very simple example might be, okay, I've got to the my position. I know I'm the perfect person to lead this group because I am a real go-getter. And then when I turn to my colleagues or my followers, I say, right, we've got a big challenge. I can do it. Why can't you? I mean, using that phrase, every time I use that phrase in the presentation, everybody looks at each other and nods and smiles because you hear that phrase everywhere. And to me, that's a little indication of there's a mentally tough individual who doesn't understand his or her mental toughness. And so you've asked a really, really, really good question there, massively complex, but I'm going to have to stop there or else I'll take over the whole podcast. Uh, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. I'm sure as I am, a lot of our listeners are thinking this this is something I want to improve in myself. I want to be more self-aware. I want to be a, 
a better leader with more mental toughness. Peter, is there anything actionable that I can do when I when I get back to my desk or when I'm back with my team so that not only um, am I more resilient myself, but I'm setting a good example? I mean, there's lots to do. And I think a starting point to link back to your marathon running mention i'd actually did my phd in in why people run marathons believe it or not in the late 80s and i started off thinking it was about resilience hanging in dealing with horror and they run because they enjoy it mostly and it is you 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 hit on it when it's the smiles on the face and it's the achievement so resilience when you see somebody's being resilient dealing with pressure they look shattered they, when somebody's going in a more mental toughness element, they, they look positive, they're, they're reassured. So it is a. It sounds, you know, at the outset, a fairly negative concept, it's a positive concept. So to answer your question, it's about enjoying what you do and putting yourself in a position where, yeah, some people enjoy challenge. When they enjoy challenge, it's about balancing out that. So yeah, people don't overstretch themselves, don't burn themselves out. Other people find things really, really, yeah. when I'm talking to undergraduates, there's no such thing as a stressful situation. As John points out, yeah, stress is part of life. Stress is neither good nor bad. What you find stressful, what each of the listeners find stressful is different than what I find stressful. So it comes back to that self-awareness. Yeah, where are the pinch points? I'm working on the pinch points. So my first ever publication was the classic, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So it's about self-awareness, it's understanding yourself and it's working on those areas. So it's not just becoming mentally tough. You know, We get frustrated when people about, talk about sucking it up or just dealing with pressure or the classic don't worry. Yeah, How to make somebody worry is tell them not, not to worry. So it's the dealing with what's going on, understanding yourself, understanding the situation and then putting in a whole range of different methods. Yeah, there's positive thinking, there's anxiety control, there's relaxation, there's visualization, all based on self-awareness. And all these techniques, I'll borrow one of John's phrases, all these techniques work, but they don't all work for everybody. So it's, it's finding out what works for you, experimenting and taking your time. Yeah, funny enough, if it was that easy, everybody would do it. Yeah, people... People understand that about diet and they understand that about exercise, but if you're developing your mental toughness, there are no quick fixes, the slow fixes, I and mean, then there's monitoring. So hopefully that makes sense. So it's working out what you want to do, bit by bit, inching forward, but you know, the fundamental is understanding yourself and actually understand if you don't enjoy the situation. So, you know, as an example, when I first started out working with elite swimmers, Olympic swimmers, You'd think what I would do as a mental toughness expert is say, yeah, keep going. But actually, the first question is, do you want to do this? Do you want to get up at five o'clock every morning and swim for four hours? Some don't, some do. So it's actually more mentally tough sometimes not to do it, to change the situation. And we're seeing a lot in that in COVID. People changing their, their working habits, changing their jobs. It's not being sensitive to yeah, change is actually sometimes that's more mentally tough. So it's, it's very complex, but these techniques, a whole range of techniques, goal setting, do it step by step, work out what works and don't be surprised that it works for you. So for example, my wife is a physiotherapist and uh, very keen on yoga, works spectacularly well for her, terribly for me. I just fall over. So what we, what we have here is fit, the individual, it's individual differences based on a foundation. 
Peter, really, really interesting and fascinating to hear you say that it, it's not a one size approach fits all. All of our brains operate slightly differently to stick with the, the marathon running theme. Some people enjoy running marathons and some people it's it's never going to be something that they're going to relish or doing. I'm currently on number four, so your thesis is of a lot of interest to, to me. But you mentioned COVID there and, you know, it's been a tremendously challenging, if not stressful time for a lot of people and a lot of people, I'm sure, questioning pretty much everything where and how they work, how they lead a team when perhaps everyone's not able to come to the office together and how they establish a new normal way of working. A lot of people thinking about their own leadership traits at this time and, and what they can do in a period of great uncertainty to be a better leader. John, is this something that's come up? Is this something that you've found people questioning, wanting more advice and guidance on? Yeah, I, I just, you use the word reflect there, and certainly what the what the pandemic has given everybody is a period of reflection, and reflection can be one of the most powerful tools available to us. So when we talk about mental toughness, Peter was talking earlier about how you know some individuals might be sensitive and might be content with that. Doug was talking about how some individuals might be mentally tough, but but lacking self-awareness. And the greatest development tool you can have is to understand yourself. Um, so recognizing your own attributes, your own traits, isn't necessarily about wanting to change who you are or change aspects of your personality, but think, okay, well, how can I align elements of what I do to what I'm, what I know I'm good at? If I undertake an assessment, say for mental toughness here, and, and I find that actually, do you know what? I'm, I'm very good at managing my emotions. I'm very good at kind of taking control of situations. Then maybe there's elements of my work and my career that I can better align to that. And I think that's what this has given people an opportunity to do. And the more self-aware people will have identified better opportunities where they can develop individually. And what we've seen over the course of, of the pandemic is there's no huge great shift. It hasn't broken everyone. It hasn't made everyone stronger. But there has perhaps been a little bit more of a separation where there is a mental toughness advantage. If you experience a lot of change, a lot of uncertainty, perhaps a lot of adversity, and you're already mentally tough, then you learn and you grow and you might become more mentally tough. If you experience that and you don't have appropriate support around you and you're mentally sensitive, then it might actually make you more sensitive. So I think that's kind of what's happened over the, over the past 18 months to two years where the opportunity for reflection has been great for some, but I do think we've kind of seen this polarization a little bit in terms of people's mental toughness. And the important element there was for the mentally sensitive is if they're not appropriately supported and mentally sensitive, then we have seen a, a little bit more of a, a, a decline towards the, the bottom end there. Doug, what are the signs that, that a leader might want to try and be more self-reflective? It's not necessarily about needing to develop mental toughness, but look inwards more, think about how they're responding to you know, stresses, challenges, work, the position. 
Is there anything that people should be uh, aware of or consider in their own behavioural mental state that they might want to take some time out and reflect? Well, it's a really good question, Chloe, I can, and I can link it to the previous question because one of the things that we've observed in, the, in say, if you look at the 18 months of the pandemic, in the first nine months, business obviously slowed, almost stopped at times, but eight, about 90% of our business came from leaders, people in leadership roles. That wasn't the case beforehand. You know, leaders were applying mental toughness to their organization, not so much to themselves. Suddenly, they were saying, I'm struggling. I find myself in a completely different situation. I don't understand why I'm, I'm not dealing well with it. And I think that's the, the first thing. The, f the first point is, is there something that you're doing or not doing that's creating a consequence for your effectiveness? And you know, when I've described the eight factors before, the answer will always lie in one of those eight factors. And what we've found very, very useful is that when we talk about mental toughness, it does consist of those eight factors. So there's no such thing really as you are mentally tough or mentally sensitive. You are mentally tough or mentally sensitive on any of those eight factors. So you can be mentally tough on six of them and mentally sensitive on two of them. And you might through your life have learned how to cope with those two. But COVID has suddenly created a situation where that coping mechanism doesn't no longer works and suddenly you've got a problem. So again, we come back to this idea of self-awareness. What is it? What, what is my profile? Where am I mentally tough and where am I mentally sensitive? And where will my mentally sensitive create a problem for me in, in time? And what can I do about it? And where might my mental toughness create a problem for me in time? And what can I do about it? But it's incredibly hard to, to create that self-awareness. And so one of the, the things that the three of us have produced is we've been managed to create a very high quality psychometric measure. It's can give you a very good insight into your mental toughness down to that level of those eight factors. And it's not like any psychometric measure, it's not entirely foolproof. It does need consideration and reflection, but it is probably the most important advance in helping people to become aware of who they are in, in, this, in terms of this important quality. So the starting point has to be, why am I suddenly struggling? Why am I not doing what I expect to do? And part of the answer, maybe the whole of the answer, will be found in your mental toughness, in your mental approach to events. Of course, leaders aren't just about uh, looking inwards. They're, they're also the ones who, who guide and support and mentor a team. As, as a leader, what can you do if you can see your team perhaps needs some development or perhaps even more than that, someone's struggling and there's something that they, they need support, they, they could do with being more resilient. How can you coach that in someone else? In terms of what a leader can do to support somebody when perhaps they're becoming a little bit overwhelmed or, or stressed or might look like they're, they're becoming burnt out or even bored, I suppose, is I think recognising that there's an interaction between perceived demand and perceived resource. And I always kind of imagine these two things as a as a couple of test tubes, if you like, that, that might have or measuring jugs that, that that can fill up and empty at any point. Now, as long as the perceived resource is greater than the perceived demand, that person will keep going. Now, what I would suggest is 
we don't want to just drain away the perceived demand all the time and just say, well, let's wrap everybody in cotton wool and make the world a lovely, fluffy place because ultimately something bad will come along and then they're, they're less able to, to deal with it. So we want that stress, that requirement to be there. So the other option is we need to find ways of filling up that perceived resource. Mental toughness is a really big contributor to that. So the more that we can help individuals to develop their mental toughness, firstly, I think a, a good starting point is to assess their mental toughness, be aware of their own profile. As Doug said, it's not about being really mentally tough or really mentally sensitive. Almost everybody that takes it has some areas where they're tougher and some areas where they're more sensitive. But once you know that, you can work on how you maximize your mental toughness, how you pr protect your sensitivities, and consider ways that you might then develop that mental toughness. And in doing so, you can kind of build up your resource to be able to manage that. So as a leader, if I can help those in the team to build their own personal perceived resource, they'll manage with higher demands. And even better, if their perceived resource is much greater than the demands, they have resource left over to help support other people. Because you know yourself when, when you're kind of using all of your resource to manage getting through each day and somebody comes to you with a problem, and this is a really big one for leaders, you just don't have enough left to be able to offer them it. So leaders can develop their own resource and help members of their team develop their own resource. So hopefully we would have this greater supply of mental toughness that can kind of be shared because essentially it means that if I'm more mentally tough and somebody's struggling, I'm able to support them. If I'm just about keeping my head above water myself, then really have the emotional or mental energy to be able to, to deal with somebody else's troubles. Excellent advice. And Peter, I, I know that you're not going to mandate yoga for, for everyone's <laughs> teams, that it's good for some, it's not good for everyone. Do you, do you have any advice for those either seeking to, you know, support their team, navigate the, the challenges of what's been a very difficult for many 18 months? And I think it's about, you know, as we keep saying, you know, un understanding your team, but being aware about you know, the differences and asking people you know, what they want. Because too often organisations put on a, I don't know what, we'll have a confidence building course or, yeah, let's all do assertiveness. And we're back to that. You know, to, some people need it. But the people who need it often don't want to do it. And there's a, there's a whole range of just trying to get people to understand themselves. You understand the rest of the team. And, yeah, just, just taking care because, yeah, people, people are vulnerable. But, you know, it's back to this idea. Has everybody suffered in COVID? No. Yeah, people have had challenges. Some, you know, I was reading a, a recent paper and uh, some people have prospered. You know, if you're, a, if you're a stable introvert, this is an ideal environment. If, you, if you're an extrovert who is slightly sensitive, then it, it, it's more complex. So it's about not putting these quick fixes, you know, we'll have a wear a funny tie day. Because so for some people, that feels patronising and difficult. Some people think it's the best thing in the world. So I think that that's the issue. And the, the last bit I've put is it's not being driven by the noisier people. The noisier people are fine. There's nothing wrong with them, but they'll put their points of view. The interesting thing is the people you don't know. If you sit around 
have a list of people you work with and you know lots about Ben and nothing about Fred. Now, that might be what Fred wants. That's ideal, but yeah, that, that's the starting point. People think they know people, and also people think they know people from the outside, outside stereotypes. You know, with an accent like mine, you think I'm as tough as old boots, and you know, nothing would rattle me. And that could be true, might not be true, but people, and then it breaks into more diversity issues. You know, but you know, is, is that normal for that particular group? And we're back to we're all human beings and we're all individuals. Let's let's get around that. So it's it's targeted interventions, understanding, listening. And be aware, some people just don't want to be involved in such a thing. That doesn't make them bad. They're just fine. You know, the starting point is psychologists sometimes over-egg over the problems, over-egg the clinical conditions. And the starting point is most people are okay most of the time. If you ask people, do you have a problem, people will answer yes. Well, so these are your list of things that you're just struggling with. People will tick a box, but most people are okay. Start on that basis. Some people need a lot of help. Some people need a little help. But don't try and fix me back to that. Don't fix it if it ain't broke. Very, very sound advice there, Peter. Thank you. This has been an absolutely fascinating discussion, but I'd like to finish on a question that we ask all of our guests, which is what do you think are the three qualities that make a good leader? And crucially, do you think these qualities have changed as a result of the pandemic? Doug, perhaps you could kick us off. Okay, so if you're a leader and you think you're a factor in producing sublime performance and a fantastic work environment, the starting point is, what am I bringing to this? How am I going to do this? So we've mentioned it several times, self-awareness. And that is at the heart of our work. And self-awareness becomes more important because really what leaders are doing is helping us to plot our path through a lot of change. And we talk about change all the time, but in these days, it's not so much about change, it's about the pace of change. And you think about the pandemic, it just arrived out of nowhere. And in a couple of months, it changed all our lives. That's what through people is the speed at which it all happens. And, you know, I'm just mindful of a comment I heard the other day that the pace of change now has never been greater. The bad news is it's never going to be as slow as this again. So we think mental toughness is going to be more and more important for leaders. They have to become self-aware about that. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. Peter, what, what trait do you think is key to leaders? It's like a version of, of pointless, isn't it? Where all the good answers go early, right? <laughs> so I would go for self-awareness, but it, it's close cousin is, is reality. So reality testing, understanding the world as it is. So by that, there's a lot of push towards positive psychology, which is fine. We're in the positive psychology domain. The example I give when I'm physically training is I put on a 2-2. Think positively, I'm going to be a great ballerina, and I'm not, because there is skills and there is resources and the whole lot. So you're positively thinking your way, yeah, but this isn't a problem. It can be a problem. So it's not about just inspiring people to be positive and motivated. It's doing a skills audit. It's, it's supporting people. It's looking what people can do. And sometimes that's seen as negative. You know, the idea... And I do, you know, when I'm working with kids, do get, again, a bit frustrated about you can be anything you want to be. You can't. Yeah, it's a simple, I cannot be a basketball player or a, I probably can't run marathons now. So positive thinking, 
doesn't help to that extent. So it's about that reality without being negative. And to some extent, you know, it's about letting yourself off the hook. In these conditions, we all make mistakes. None of us are perfect. We get a bit stroppy, and so does everybody else. So it's not about this perfection. Is there a perfect way of dealing with what's going on? No. You give it a go, you review. And you know, the, the mental toughness concept, it was in the Times when it first came out. It's a, they interviewed me, and it's it seen to some extent as a, as a I'm from Hull, so it's a northern, a northern measure, a, a northern concept, because it's not just about... thinking about all the positives you have. It's also thinking about your negatives you have, putting them together and dealing with them. So so that's my starting point. Reality without negativity. Wonderful. Thank you, Peter. John, what uh, what trait do you think is is crucial in a good leader? I I would go from from my own experience, I'd I'd probably fall on compassion. I think you, you have to care for people and they have to know you care and people are clever they know they they can spot when somebody is just paying lip service and saying oh i've stuck a well-being seminar on and stuff and and i suppose from from my own sort of leadership experiences where i think the benefits come from that if you genuinely care for people and they know that you genuinely care and you want them to do well they'll let you off. You know, when you do take a risk, when you when you make a bad decision, when it messes up, when you've probably created more hassle for everybody, they know you're coming from the right place. So it, it kind of gives you that credit in the long run as, as well. And I think when these kind of things happen, leaders who were well respected and had shown care in the past, when lockdowns happen and everything goes wrong and everybody's having to do this, that or the other and probably getting a bit fed up, I kind of feel like life is probably a little bit easier for those leaders who have built up that that credit from, from how they've treated people in the past. Excellent advice. Thank you so much, John. And and thank you all. It's been an absolutely fascinating insight into to how we think and the way in which it affects not just our own behaviour, but, but can affect others too. Obviously, the latest edition of your book, Developing Mental Toughness, Improving Performance, Wellbeing and Positive Behaviour in Others, is out now. But for our interested listeners, where else can they find out more about you? Doug? Okay, so they can make contact with me, Doug, at aqr.co.uk, or with uh, my organisation, the www.aqrinternational.co.uk, or head office at aqr.co.uk. Wonderful. Peter? It's always best to go through AQR. I'm a typical academic, which will sometimes think about things and forget my own names. I'm not the most organised, so AQR will pass on, on things directly to me. So, so uh, our listeners shouldn't look for you on Instagram then, or TikTok. Uh, uh, no, I'm a carrier pigeon's a bit tired just now. <laughs> John, uh, where can listeners find out more about you? Again, they could they could go to 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 AQR and be directed to me. That's no problem. Um, I am on Twitter at John Perry eighty one. I'm grateful for any new followers. I'm not exactly an influencer, so yes, but I, John, I do yes. I do respond. <laughs> yeah. I do respond to messages if if I get any through there. Thank you all three so very much. It has been a real pleasure talking to you. And I know myself, you give me an awful lot to think about. 
Well, thank you very much, Chloe. We've really enjoyed it too. Pleasure's all ours. Yeah. Yeah, thank, Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hayes Worldwide Leadership Insight Podcast. If you found this advice useful, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. At the same time, if you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to reach out to us via email, socialmedia at hayes.com.